talk about mirage, the mirage of life. It's not an easy topic. In fact, it's not an easy topic to understand. But I believe that if you set your mind to it, listen with your ears open, cast aside your talking mind, and just listen. I think, I think even if you're new, first time listening, it should not be too difficult. I, I believe. You see, you have to understand the Buddha's Dhamma, the Buddha's Dhamma explains that man's the regular person's mind and explains how the regular mind in itself creates problem. First, you must understand that. Okay? It's not magic. Dhamma is not magic. It's not about metal physics. Something esoteric that you cannot understand unless you start imagining. It's not. It's really explaining the regular person's mind. And I'm assuming everyone who sits here in this room counts as a regular person. Yes or no? No. No? <laughs> you are Arya already? <laughs> Most of us sitting down here it's just an average person, right? We have families, we have children, we have dreams, we have memories, we have regrets, we have worries. We are a regular person, isn't it? So therefore, you will be able to understand the Buddha's Dhamma in all its beautiful aspects. In all its aspects. The Dhamma will speak to you the moment you open your mind to it properly. Okay? So now I'm going to introduce to you I call it mirage so that the title looks a bit more sexy. Lah. I could have called it illusion and then maybe half the class will be here. Okay. Now, about mirage. How do you engage the world? How do you see the world? about you and your relationship with the world out there. See, there are two worlds, right? There is the world out there and there is a world in here. Okay, now, you have feelings, right? This is not, this is important, huh? From the word, from the point the word appears, you have to be very clear what it means. You have feelings, right? They say, uh, so what? Does this phrase, does this sentence make sense to you? That of you that feels. This, I, I want you to put aside your own talkative mind and just hear the words. Feeling is that in you that feels. Then you say, nothing magical. Just hear that first. That in you that feel what's going on out there, feel it. And we will call it like this. There is a positive feeling, we are quite painful or whatever, 
positive feeling, negative feeling. Positive would be pleasant, negative, not pleasant. So you have to call it not pleasant, you call it painful, but the entire thing. Pleasantness has a range from very intense to mildly, mild, very mild, and painful also the same. Very intense, very mild. Those are the two types of feelings that you will remember. That's why they're memorable. But there is a third type which we call forgettable, neutral. That which feel is very much a part of what you value. We always talk about our feelings, our emotions, as if it's so powerful and so important. And when we talk about that which feels, feelings, huh? if you strip it down to just pure science, it's essentially three parts. Something pleasant, something painful, and the large part of your day Large bulk of your day, a lot of neutral feeling moment. Agree? Which means a large part of your life you forgot. You only remember the parts which gives you so much joy, so much delight, and the part that gives you heartbreak and hurts. And everything in between, and there's so many parts, everything in between, you don't take a second look. You don't pay attention. They are negligible as far as they are negligible as far as the regular person is concerned. Agree? Why do you think the Buddha spent so much time trying to explain the nature of feelings? Because for many of us, we literally rate the meaning of our life by feelings. Feel good, good thing. Feel good, good man. Feel good, good food. We're so hopeless, girl. Quite superficial, right? That's not that we put it into words and talk about it. I go like that, man. Looks good. Good person. You can say. And and what makes a person a happier person or an unhappy person is which part they keep recalling. They keep recalling the painful part. Very soon the mind gets hurt. And it's painful. If they keep putting emphasis on the happier moment, then very soon the mind gets light and happy. It's just like that. Okay? And this is only one of, well, actually five parts, but I'm only going to talk about four parts. I'm going to put aside the body. I'm going to just talk about four parts. The next one perception. Sanya. Earlier on, it's Vedana. That which concludes labels. I'm giving a lot of English words, hoping that one of those words 
will resonate with you. Meaning, you see the word and you kind of know what it means. Okay? Perception is that part of you see something and register. See something and identifies. See something and it labels. Apple, orange, you know, I should say durian, banana, tropical fruits. Huh? Now you say no big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. This part of you is the is literally the door that opens up to the world. This part of you, you think about it. You see a face, bante, a bante you like. All you need is bante. Then what happens? A lot of feeling arises. Yeah? You see a you see the face of someone you don't like, even if it's just a shadow. Feelings arise. Unpleasant feelings arise. This one is very powerful because you can see and it's registered in a kusala way or an akusala way and straight away karma is tainted in. Karma is taint. It's tainted really. You see someone you don't like, annoyance arises. You see someone you love, if it stops at joy, that's good, but it can go on to attachment, dukkha. You see what I'm saying? When you want, you talk about learning meditation, you talk about seeing things as they are, it literally means boiling down knowing your mind to this level, this degree. Okay? See something. When you get out of this class tonight, I hope that you will actually register for yourself when your mind starts labeling. Okay? When it starts labeling. You see a bus. Okay, there is a third label by the way. No kusala, no akusala. No, no reaction. Your mind doesn't register a deep reaction. Also possible. When you see something that you say it belongs to you, there's a reaction. When you see something that's not none of your business, may not have any reaction. Do you understand this part? Make sense? Okay. We always think the problem is our thinking mind. Yeah? But can you see that the problem is not just the thinking mind? Problem starts very much upstream, which is the perceiving mind. As you perceive, as you label, as you identify, as you cognize, at that point, you already have a reaction. So your thinking hasn't even started. You recognize. And already your mind has a history to draw from. And if people tell you stories, okay, if people tell you stories and you register the stories and you're one of those who oh, my mother would call hating king, you know what that means? You're very light. People say you believe dark. Your perception can go very wrong. Your, your labeling can go very wrong. Agree? 
So when you're watching your mind, we're talking about meditation, watching your mind, right? Watch it at the point it starts to labor. And if you find yourself naturally labeling in a akusala, 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 you know, right? Kusala, wholesome, akusala, unwholesome, okay? You find your mind habitually labeling in an akusala way, you know you have a bigger problem to fix. Your baseline personality instinctively akusala. And that's the reason why unhappiness is there. Know this, huh? Next. After you after you recognize and you label or you cognize, your mind, if you're not mindful, the mind starts to talk. The talking is the constructing, the thinking. Engine start already. Fourth gear starts running. Your, your, your mind starts to fly. There's thoughts, there's drifts, that's going in all directions. This is karma. I use the word constructs, fabricates, think. It's actually used by a different translator. Okay? It's not this one is not my creation. There are different translators using different words. But the idea is the same. So just based on these three, right? Can you recognize these activities happening? in your mind. Can you? Actually, when we talk about meditation and vipassana and so on and so forth, the whole intent of mindfulness training is to get your mind to recognize these habits, these features, features. All these together makes your daily life, feeling, perceiving, thinking. And the next one, which I will introduce later, which is consciousness, together plus your body, i.e. the brain, that's you. That's your world, the day, your day, when you're awake. Asleep is when something happens. Okay, ah? Again, you can construct Positive and negative. Kusala akusala. Now, oh wait, one more. I call it incidental random because sometimes you just drift. For no good reason, the mind just kind of drift and nothing happens at the end of it. Possible. All these sum up a person's daily life. Plus, wait, I want to open this one. That which experiences, you see, uh, think of consciousness, the vinyana, like a platform. All the others, when they happen, it sits on the consciousness platform. That's when you're aware of the consciousness. You're not aware of the consciousness, you're aware of the activities. When you label, when you recognize, when you talk, when you feel, these are the features 
of the mind of activi mental activities that you will recognize. Do you understand this part? Is it too hard for you? I wouldn't move on until you, you, you ask a question or you understand or not understand this part. Because this is you. And if you're trying to fix anything in this method of training, in the Buddhist method of training, is fixing these parts. Sorry? Uh, no, ask a question later. Sorry, uh, wrong choice of word. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I know you are all ready to go. Later, later. Your time, your time. I want this part to be clear to you first before we move on. Let's get some example. Okay? You see someone you like, you have feeling that arises. You recognize the person, the mind starts talking, thinking. All these form your experience. Yes? Better still, see somebody you don't like, feeling is annoyance, not pleasant. Your mind will construct in how? In what way? Possibly in a negative way. And that forms your experience. Agree? Then you are no different from the regular person, no? See something you like, you talk in a certain way, see something. So you are always reacting. When you are always reacting by your natural feelings, you are no different from the national average person. If you are saying, what did the Buddha teach? It is really to understand how the mind works, know it very well, each one, know each one very well. Then you see for yourself when it kicks in, in regular life as you engage people. At that point, if you know how to change the words you use, change the way you talk. This is when you are really practicing. You are kicking in the practice to fix each part. And what I'm going to show you next is then what you are supposed to do each part. Okay? Wait. You see, when feelings arise, what do, tell me, why are feelings so important to you? Why are feelings so important to you? Pleasant, you want. Pleasant means what? Pleasant means you derive delight. Yes? Pleasant feelings means what? You derive delight from the feeling. Okay? Unpleasant feeling, painful feelings means what? You actually experience pain. It's not pleasant, there's nothing delightful about it. So the regular person, your regular mind, I'm going to go slower. The regular mind seeks gratification, seeks delight. Isn't that describing us? And if you were to say, is there anything wrong, nothing wrong. Huh? The only thing wrong is that 
it's intoxicating, it is a habit, we'll get into this constant need to to keep delighting off. That's all. And then there is no way out, you're stuck. Like that. So you say, I'm I'm a Buddhist here in my in my training. Why would I want to train myself? It is to try and break this habit. Okay? Hello? <laughs> yes, sorry. Do you understand this part first? Yeah? That which feels. We go back to this again. When you feel. The, 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 our mind. When you enjoy something, when you feel something, the mind tends to drift towards that. Yes or no? And why would you why would you keep drifting towards something that brings you it brings it brings you delight, it brings you joy, it gratifies you, you want to const, you constantly want to repeat the experience. Yes? Don't think of it conceptually, okay? Put aside the concept. Look at your own mind. Look into your own mind. Okay? Okay. And in the same way, when it comes to sanya, right? When it comes to perception labeling, this feeling is also the same thing that affects how you see things. An experience that is pleasant, you will remember it as pleasant. And you will conclude from that experience, remember it, keep it, store it. It goes into your memory bank. In future, when you see the same thing again, the instinct that pops up is that memory of the pleasantness. In the same way, the memory of a pain. So you can just imagine how this thing is so instinctive. You want to fix the way our mind works, these mental states, these activity has to be understood carefully and properly. So when it is perception, it will remember very well the pain. It will remember very well the pain and the pleasure. And you will come to associate accordingly. Okay? The same way, Shankara, inside outside, okay. Construction begins. So you see something, you like it, you will plan how to get it. Right? That's how your that's how, how my work. You see something, you enjoy the food, you enjoy your food. You remember where you got that food from. And when the construction starts, this is where you will go to collect your food. Yes? Hello? Yes. Hello? Seriously? No worries. We already told you right at the start of this lecture, this is going to be a little bit challenging. It's okay. We go slowly. Okay? I got all the time in the world. Less time for question answer. Lah. Okay. Why do I say inside and outside? You see, uh, how does your mind work? You see something outside, it goes inside to talk. Happily talk by itself. Yeah? You see something outside, you say something you don't like. 
noise in the neighbor. Again, the neighbor is making all the noise. So what happened? What do you do? Go inside your brain, you start to plan, to plot how to shut the voice down. Try to, try to shut it down. So you can see, suppose let's say, suppose let's say, you realize that all the noise is because your neighbor actually has its his difficulty. He lost his job, he's in a lot of pain, and he tong 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 is actually try and break his own cake. You know. Then how does your mind work? Tells a different story. Agree? When you have more information and it's all processing all the time. But you actually don't know which one is real or not. You your mind will just happily process by itself. You perceive, you conclude, you react, you feel. This is just and it comes out in a jumbled way all the time. And the driving factor for everyone, for everyone here, the driving factor is always pleasure. And if it is pain, you will figure out all ways to stop that pain. This is just how our instinct works. Agree? Now, why do I call this layers delusional? And this is because many a times we are very autopilot. We are very autopilot because your mind stores memories. And those layers of memories will form the basis of your perception, your perceiving, your labeling. The memories forms layers of your perception and in all those layers, it will cause you to slowly morph yourself into a more wholesome character or a more unwholesome character. This is just the way you will morph. I use the word morph because it changes so slowly, you don't even realize it. But every day, every moment, every minute, it keeps building and building and building, layers by layers. And before you know it, it may be too late to salvage a marriage. It may be too late to salvage a relationship because you build layers and layers. And especially when it's unpleasant, especially when it's unpleasant, you will conclude in the most negative way, get yourself all work up into a negative story, an unpleasant story, an unflattering story. And this unflattering story forms your new basis, your cognitive baseline, and that fellow is beyond salvation. That's how our mind concludes. Our mind is very simple. We think it's very complicated. It's actually very simple. You look at this. Just five parts. Four. Sorry, four parts. Plus body is the fifth part. But this four parts is very simple. And these four things is the reason why you are happy or unhappy. And every part of this is we happily form, we happily construct, we happily assume, we happily build again and again. 
Only four parts. The mind is not so complex. The mind is understanding these four parts properly. Normally, I show you the next slide. What did the Buddha say? All these collectively is your world. And in this world, in this world forms the next world, the few layers and layers of world, layers and layers of existence. This life, we're not even talking about next life or anything. This life. Today you're happy, man, because things go your way, because you, you perceive that things are going your way. You feel really good, and when you feel really good, you perceive nicer things going your way, and you talk yourself into a happy state. Tomorrow, oh, your bubbles got burst, because things didn't happen your way, and then you react, and so and so forth, and, and, and it's just like that, layers and layers. Now, what did the Buddha say? Okay, uh, the word for bond by for bond by bondage to form, change the word form to any of the others. Bond by bondage to feelings. Bond by bond by inner and outer bondage. Regards feelings as self, self as possessing feeling, feeling as itself. So they are the same. The Buddha essentially replaces all those words: form, feeling, perception. Construction, volitional formation, consciousness. Basically, all slot in same idea. And the same idea is we are tied to these experiences, shackled to them, perceiving them to be self, perceiving self to be in them. And the result of this, this, we talk about delusion, the delusion is believing the story being created here. Okay? Delusion means believing in your own stories. So what are we supposed to do? Because this is our world. If the Buddha had ended his story here, then we wouldn't be so impressed. Like, 2,500 years later, we're still remembering him. It's because he didn't end here. He went on to explain how do you tackle them one by one. If he had ended the story by saying, you are made up of five parts. Let me explain to you. And then give you the five parts. Then you say, uh-huh, tell me something I don't know. Okay, But because he didn't end there, he's telling you these five parts you have to understand clearly. And after understand them, understanding them clearly, you have to fix them. Fix your, fix your perception of them. Fix your understanding of them. Fix the way you react to them. And only then are you fixing your mind. Okay? So if we, if you guys, if you, the ones amongst you who say, I'm a practitioner, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to do, I'm going for retreats, I'm going to go for, I don't know, seclusion somewhere in the forest, sit amongst the 
banana plantation. Something like that. Huh? Don't do it until you understand this properly. Because ultimately, ultimately, realization, awakening is awakening to how to stop these fellas. Okay? Awakening, Nibbana, we talk about awakening to the Dhamma. It's really awakening to understanding what makes your mind takes the way it does. And how do we change the way it sees and understands things so that you can be at peace? If you do not, if you do not understand these things carefully and clearly, it is very hard. It is very hard to really find the joy in the Dhamma. Because when you understand that clearly, you know how to fix it, you're on the way home. There's a journey home. Okay? Now, we're going to discuss how to fix them one by one. Huh? First, neutralize and overturn cognitive baseline assumption. What does it mean, neutralize? Can you see? Yeah, right? All these are found in these speakers. Cognitive baseline means, you see, when you, when you look at the world, you already make assumptions, right? I told you earlier, you see, your mind already assumes. Based on its past experience, it already assumes, okay? First, you have to change all those baseline habits. If the mind is geared towards negative, you have to shift them back to the Rule number one. And you do that by trying to, Buddha said, start with understanding the following. They are called the aggregate. These four plus your body, five parts, they are called the aggregates. So the Buddha said, first you have to understand their nature. Number one, Vedana, feeling. What is feeling? Waiting for your answer. What is feeling? That which feels, that which experiences, sensory experiences, huh? and how many types are there? Three types. What are they? Sorry, ask me. Pleasant, painful, neutral. Pleasant, painful, neutral. Okay, which are the ones that you remember? Now I ask you, huh? No, 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 now I ask you, which one do you remember more? More the painful or more the pleasant? You raise your hand, I ask you. And then there were some may say neutral, okay, also care. So now I ask you, huh? Who remembers the painful better than the pleasant? Raise your hand. Painful more than the pleasant, okay? Who remembers the pleasant more than the the painful? Pain, pleasant more than painful. Who remembers the neutral over the others? Don't have? <coughs> Very good. If you remember the painful, 
more than the pleasant, chances, uh, these are all chances, huh? I'm not, I'm not saying you, I'm just saying the chances are you are one of those really decent people who feels remorse easily. Chances are. That's why you remember the, the worst also, it cannot be so many unpleasant the day, ma. cannot be so many painful in the day, ma. But every time you're not nice, every time something happens and you remember it, you feel bad. The odds are, either you're bad, you're very angry, very upset, or you actually feel bad a lot of the time. Then the ones who remember the pleasant, the, the happy ones, chances are, oh, maybe you have a very happy life, oh, happy things happening, uh, you're genuinely quite joyful, so you remember only happy, low, because that's the bulk of your life. Huh? We'll leave the others unsaid. Okay? The neutral is the interesting one. If you can remember the neutral a lot, it actually means your practice is really solid. The ones whose practice is really solid, the whole day is neutral. And the whole day is pleasant. Because it's neutral, it's pleasant. It's actually said in one of the sutta, Majumani Kaya, I think. Mulupaya Sutta, I think. If I remember correctly, it's sutta number one. Because when you understand, you experience uh, sorry, when when there is understanding, neutral is pleasant. When there is no understanding, neutral is painful. Okay? So I think that's 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 quite quite telling. Then what is sanya? What is perception? That which cognizes, notes. Give me your original word. Give me your, if you can give me a word that I didn't put up there, it tells me you understand. Can you give me another word? Remember. Sorry? Remember. That which remembers in a subconscious way. Convention. Reference. Hmm. Panel. Agree? <laughs> I haven't thought about that word. Maybe not that word. Huh? Jot down. Register. Register is the correct word. Actually, it's not. It's it's literally labeling. If I say, uh, what's this? Can you spot that moment when you recognize this? What's this? Glass of water. Can you remember the moment? Can, can you see the mind? The moment that recognize that? That is perception. So for most people, that's no big deal of perception. But it's not. Because when you see a face and you react to the face, that is also sanya. If you if I tell you a say for instance, uh, say uh, I say I say a word and then you think, okay? If I say Genting, 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 Casino, okay. There is a. Do you recognize the point where the mind. Eh, I know that word. Do you see that? Now, 
at that moment got feeling or not. So if you always go Genting, it's a very nice place, the feeling arises. If you go to Genting, very awful place, get chased by ghosts, feeling also arises. <laughs> feeling also arises. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gambling ghosts. What is that? Yangkui, Yangkui. No, 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 seriously. Can you see the cognizing part? The part that oh, the all the part, uh, the all. That part, can you see how the all part uh, can also be kusala kusala? Okay? Now, all these, it's actually describing your mind. All this is describing your mind. And you want to talk about meditation at all, you have to recognize these states. Okay? So the Buddha said, in this practice, you have to remember what these states are. The part that feels, the part that recognizes, the part that constructs, the part that experiences. All four parts are not the same. If you will get them all gobbled up in your meditation or in your practice, if they are all gobbled up, you're not seeing the mind. We talk about seeing the mind as it is. Come see me. Seeing the mind as it is means seeing feeling, perception, formation, and experience, consciousness. Seeing the mind as it is means seeing these fellas. That's all. Not magic. See mind as it is means sparkles of light. Go see me. No sparkle of light. You every day go around with what? Flash bulbs in your eyes. Huh? Don't have ma. Okay? Then, and then not finish off. This only number one. Eh? One, two, three, four, five. Buddha said in the training, all these fellas must be seen in the context of number one. What are they? Number two. Origin and falling away. What's origin and falling away? Feeling comes, feeling, feeling arises, feeling ceases. You can use lovely poetic words. I give you permission to. But the point is, it comes up into your consciousness, it fades away. So, in the training, in the training, Know what they are, know when they come up, know when they fade away. The third one, gratification. Know when you feel delight in each of them. Some people will say, delight, delight, no, what's there to know the difference? Then you don't see the, the mind as it is, no. If you delight and you get carried away and you jumble jumble all over the place, you don't see the mind as it is, no? If you see the mind as it is, as the Buddha said, right? Yatha Buddha Nyana doesn't seeing the mind as it is. It literally means seeing the feelings come and go, seeing your prejudice comes and go, seeing your thought construction as a habit comes and go. Seeing an experience arise and fade. Literally there. And then know when you are taking delight, enjoy. 
So when you go on retreat, you're supposed to eat slowly, right? Don't eat so fast. You're supposed to scoop. Okay, no need so drama, no need. Tong! Hey, I haven't eaten yet. <laughs> no need so drama, okay? No, no need like that. Okay, eat normally. But as you eat, see pleasure arising. See contact and pleasure arising. See that. But don't see it arise, but see it soften. So pleasure comes up, pleasure fades away. See how you enjoy? Then see how the enjoyment fades away. Notice the fading away. That's the one. Tell me, the Buddha used the word danger of each state. Danger. What is not dangerous about feeling? What is so dangerous about views? Why did he use the word? Sorry? Clinging, craving, very good. Go on, go on. Say someone, say someone. Someone will hit one. Attachment, yeah, yeah. Self, very good. All over the place, but it's okay. We accept all of them. <laughs> Actually, the Buddha's, the Buddha's answer, not my answer. The Buddha's answer is each and every one of them is impermanent. Then you say, what's the danger in impermanence? You see, oh, the person that you love so much is impermanent, right? So you delight in the feeling. Fellow die already, huh? Danger. Everything, because you see, all of us go after feeling. Shok, shok. We go after shok. Is that a better word for shok? Song. <laughs> we go after song, right? When you go after shok, go after song, go after feel good, feel good. Whatever you call it, every one of those experiences doesn't last. So the danger in falling in love is love dies. Not that you're not supposed to fall in love, I'm just telling you. The danger of falling in love with anything, of enjoying anything, is that it doesn't last. The danger lies in that it doesn't last. Then you say, why is that dangerous? Because it doesn't last, lah. You must accept, no. If you don't mind, it doesn't last. Then die already. Take number two. Then die already. Take number three. Then die already. Take number four. Like change car like that. Okay, lo. Okay, lo. Okay, lo. Then after that, your turn come, lo. It is like that, lah. I mean, if you don't mind, then okay, lo. But some of us very jealous, lah. We mind. We want to love, but we also mind. Mind that will end. It hurts. So the reality, Buddha is a practical man, and was a practical man. The reality is there is there is the danger of being attached, of pursuing craving. There is a danger in it. So see the escape. So what's the escape? Not to attach. Uh, yes. It's that attachment, this is the punchline, okay? Attachment can cease. It's a slight difference between the way we say it, like, don't be attached, don't crave, let go. The way we say it is proactive. You must 
nye nye, let go, you know, nye nye, fuck the stern like that, you know, fuck her. But the way he said it was seizing, that it can cease. Now, you tell me what's the difference. Buddha used the word, the escape is that it can cease, right? Buddha used that word. That the word that the world uses is the Nye Life version. The function, the let go, the function, whatever you function, but it's function. Okay? Tell me what's the difference. What do you think is the difference? No, bad. Don't touch it, it will cease by itself. Not bad. Exactly. The, the thing is that they're still letting. Huh? They're still letting. And it's not even letting. In the Buddhist way, when you understand and you accept, that's where it sees. It's accepting. That's the difference. The subtlety may be lost on you. But the day that you begin to understand these fellas properly, the subtlety becomes fierce. Okay? Sorry, ah? Uh? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, yes. You see the word seeing the five as they are, right? What, what are you looking at? Sorry? Oh, the recording is there. Oh, okay. See, uh, you look at the seeing the five as they are, right? This tuk -tuk -tuk -tuk, seeing the five as they are, right? Meaning the four of them plus body. I didn't talk about the body today, but body, body has nothing to do with you being deluded. You're deluded about the body. The body is not responsible for your delusion. Okay? <laughs> These guys are the ones that that affects the delusional pattern. Not the body, the body got nothing to do with it. Okay? Now, Buddha's, now the teachings, the, the, what she said must do, huh? When it comes to feelings, he said, you learn to moderate your preferences, learn not to be attached too much to feelings. See them rise, see them fade, let them be. That is why when you listen to different teachers, different monks when they talk, different teachers when they talk, they always talk about feelings are feelings, you are you, don't get attached, don't get involved, let them come and go. That's, that, the idea is feelings will come, feelings will go. If you learn to observe them with some detachment, some distance, you don't get trapped. The problem for us, for many of us, not trained, not tamed, the problem is we see the feelings, we talk, we engage. So you bring in the others, the Sanya, the Sankara, everyone, everyone come have a party together. I feel, I feel terrible. Come, come, everybody come and talk to me. So the mind will say, yeah, he doesn't like me anymore. See, see, he must never even look at me. See, see, he doesn't like me anymore. What is that? Feeling is feeling, but you start talking, right? 
he walked past, he never looked at me, then you deliberately walk in front of him to show your face, he also never see you, you know, he just walked past. He doesn't like me anymore, you talk and you talk and you construct and you construct. Uh, or you fall beautifully in front of him and he walks over you. Uh, then you know you are passe, uh, you are passe already. No, seriously. Feelings, feelings come, feelings go. But many of us must act on it. Happy, you don't act so much because happy, you kind of get, you, you just enjoy, get mindlessly enjoy. But sad, pain, straight away the mind gets the, the sanya and the sankara spring into action and they will do their, their talking and, and strategizing and planning and these are the construction going on. Perception in a big way, right? If I stand here, I see you always attend my talk and I know your face, then I stand here and look at you. What do you think? It's about me. It's about me. No, it's about Buddha. I'm thinking of Buddha. Nothing to do with you. Is it? Is I'm saying? That's how the regular mind works. So, according to the Buddha's method of training, when it comes to feelings, remember the earlier five? No feeling. No feeling. See them as coming and going, rising and falling. Don't get attached. See danger, see gratification, see danger, see escape. Each and every time your mind goes a little crazy, if you can, remember that five steps. This is Samya, this is Sakara, this is Vedana. You actually label, you know, this is the one that's happening. You know it, you say it, come, and you say it, fake. You see it. Tell yourself you are drawn towards pleasure. No pleasure as a danger. Know that if you don't touch it, it will stop by itself. It is just like that. That's how the mind works. But no, you have to create stir the pot, stir the pot. Sure, the pot cannot boil. Stir the pot. So when it comes to feeling, he says moderate. Moderate your preferences. Don't be attached too much to feelings. When it comes to sanya, this is the part that is important to remember. Our mind spring kusala, wholesome, unwholesome. Know your mind if it leans towards unwholesome. Natural, you must, you want to talk, talk wholesome, okay? Tell yourself, whatever it is, try and switch it to wholesome. Try and switch it upstream. Suppose that say, you see someone you don't like. Your mind see, you recognize, I don't like this person. Already it springs towards unwholesome, yes? What must you do based on this method? Let go of your own biases. Tell yourself, this is bias. I will change it to wholesome. Forgive. Embrace. Meta. Why do you think there's so much emphasis on meta? So much emphasis on karuna. Meta, you know, right? Karuna, you know, right? Compassion. At the start point, switch to compassion. Upstream. Give you another example. You see someone, let's say, uh, let's say, you don't like you don't like uh, 
trying to be gentle here. You know, like people standing there asking you to donate to the flag. You know, flag, flag day. Someone stand down there. You don't like that. You, uh, I want to donate. I just go and donate. I don't want you to stand around and help me. Something like that. That's your mind. You see a fellow holding a box with the, the flags. The mind will automatically be akusaba. If you are training, if you are in training according to the method, you will tell yourself, I will switch it here. I will give. And so you will go up. He doesn't come to you. You go to him. You go up there, you put a dollar in, you put two dollars in. Training your mind at the upstream to be nice. This is important. You don't do it at the upstream, you wait until your top, 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 top is really downstream. Upstream. You see someone asking for help. Let's say, let's say, you, you have a certain bias about people. Okay? A bias. So you see those people and the bias arises. Your aversion arises. If you are in training and you are a practitioner, that aversion is bad for your mind. Remember what I said, kusala akusala kamma. It's bad for your mind. What do you do? You will approach, you will talk, you will make a friend. You work to overcome your own biases upstream to the point that one day you know and all you feel is love and joy. Then you Our mind is full of storytelling based on our old habits of biases. It's always there. If you do not work upstream to overcome your biases, every time you see, you will label. Every time, you don't even have to think. You see already, you don't like. It's just like that. So you actually got to work upstream to change your habits. See, embrace, see, forgive, see, and if you find yourself still going, if you find yourself doing that, you tell yourself, fix this one also. This is not nice. And if you say, if you were to say, you don't want a happy mind. You want your mind to be happy, you have to fix it. Otherwise, it's just whatever it is. Cannot have your cake and eat it. Meaning, can I keep all my bad habits and be happy? If you're not happy, your habits are not making you happier. You fix that. Okay? By the way, our way of partner means ill will. Our we himself, it's all on the board. Our way of partner means ill will. Our we himself means cruelty. Okay? Sorry. Our way of partner means no ill will. Our we himself means no cruelty. Which means to say your baseline when you see something, you shouldn't have anger and you shouldn't think about how to get back at them. That should not be part of a practicing Buddhist baseline. 
if your baseline is zi zi zi, meaning, huh? is it loud enough? <laughs> if your baseline is zi zi zi, right? Tell yourself the zi 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 baseline must change. Okay? This is very important for upstream training. We haven't gone downstream yet. The second thing, the word stay on dumbbell might me up things, right? It was to tell myself, these are words to remind myself. You see, one of the training that we must do for ourselves regularly, eh, when your mind starts to judge, the mind judges, when it starts to judge, you actually got to pull handbrake. Pull handbrake, stop there. And tell yourself, my mind is constructing, it is judging. And it's judging on how? It's judging based on past construction. In the past, you work yourself into this level, this water level. Whatever judgment that you make is going to start from this water level. How do you know your past conclusion is right in the first place? How do you know that? And therefore, if it is wrong, then from here on, you're going to be wrong, double wrong, compounded wrong, compounded, compounded wrong. Can you see the problem? So a practicing Buddhist, a practicing Buddhist learn not to judge. Learn not to conclude at face. And when the mind, because your mind wants to do it, you will tell your own mind, mind made are things, your mind making. These are not my words. Mind made are things came from Dhammapada verse number one. Mind is the forerunner of all things, all mind made things. Mind is supreme, mind made are things. And you will sit where you are, very often we say, yes, I agree. We just write, yeah, I agree. Go out, start all over again. Because habits come back so fast. So the pull handbrake part is if you agree, if you agree that this is necessary, then you must pull handbrake off. Every time you find your mind judging and concluding, Oh, okay. The habit at Sunny, all of them by the way, uh, the eye will appear, feeling the eye will appear, perceiving the eye will appear, the labeling the mind, the eye will appear, thought construction, the eye will appear, consciousness, you're not aware of it anyway, but it's actually the platform. When the eye appear, as a practitioner, worth your salt, you will say, ego, self, the I, and let it be. You have to let it be. You have to consciously let the I be. See, huh? Here we are sitting down here, we're all very, very inspired, we will be very nice people, we will go out be very nice people, we will not be angry. Then something annoys, something that regularly annoys, right? Typically, you see it, put the shoe there again, it annoys, right? It's a little thing like that. When that happened, and you remember tonight's talk, 
you would just say, my mate are things. Because the reason why you don't like and you have a reaction, well, many reasons, but one of which must be, tell him so many times, still do like that. He give me no face. He give me no hue. Yes? Normally, you get agitated because you are in the picture and you perceive that someone is deliberately tiki, deliberately stubborn to poke at you. So if your mind talks like that, when you see it again, what must you do? The I and the mind and my habits are coming up. I will put it aside. And then you see how you fight with the yourself, your mind fighting with itself, talking and you're beating it down and talking and beating it down. And you have to say to yourself, don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. Just let it go. Can't do that. Practice goes back to the drawing board. And these are all basic. These are all explained by the Buddha and they are part of your toolbox to tackle the events of life. They are toolbox. Oh, okay. If your mindfulness is sharp, this is if you train and your mindfulness is quite sharp, you actually can see the mind present and then you have all the agitation in the background. Shouldn't be, but if it is, then you hold steady and let the agitation just flood by you. Can be done. Don't look at me with the skepticism. Skepticism means you need training. <laughs> yeah, don't look at me with the if you say not like that, that's because that's not part of your experience yet. So you you take away minus this one. Ah, you just handle the two. Okay. First one sila, second one panya, third one samadhi. A bit hard. Never mind. Bear in mind. This is part of the toolbox. If this is not part of your toolbox, it means you haven't purchased the screwdriver yet. You need to develop that screwdriver, right? Moderate, moderate, no craving, moderate and cut craving. So all these, these two, these two work together. The calmer you are, the steadier is your mind, the easier it is for your mind to let craving go. The calmer is your mind, the steadier is the awareness, the easier it is to let the craving rest. Okay? Again, if you say, again, you didn't buy the screwdriver. Okay? Now, Shankara. This, you see, uh, the two of them, unfortunately, are very interlinked. You perceive you will talk and you usually talk in the same direction. So you don't like, say, say for instance, the feeling that comes up when you see a face is unpleasant, you don't like it. You will then talk, it, meaning you have an unpleasant experience, your akusala has come up, your unwholesomeness has come up, right? Then when the construction starts and you start talking, it usually talk in the same direction. Our training is, you see the akusala sutta, you two hand break, 
you stop it, can you try and talk in the reverse direction? You must talk. So if you say typically you don't like somebody, you don't like him for whatever reason, and you say he's always like that, he's always that, try and change that. Maybe he's in a lot of pain. He's in a lot of pain and therefore he creates the pain for others. But in the first place, can we pull out some compassion for him? Something like that. You have to try and talk in the opposite direction to stop your unwholesomeness from going off track. Okay? Viria is king. Do you know the meaning of the word Viria? Some do, most don't. Hello? Anybody home? Viria. Effort. Effort to do what? Ghost whisperer. <laughs> Prevent. Okay. Unwholesome thought. Prevent it from coming out. Abandon the unwholesome thoughts or unwholesomeness if they are already there, abandon them. And then, bring up the wholesome and then, proliferate it if it's there. It's in that sequence, huh? It's always in that sequence. Okay, what does this mean? It means that if you're serious about wanting to know the Dhamma, if you're serious about wanting to know the Dhamma, you must keep wholesome thoughts, wholesomeness as part of your daily routine. And we use the word virya, energy, because it is really about putting effort to change our habits. We typically, if you do not put energy, the regular mind slides towards unwholesomeness. Because the regular mind, regular, if you're not regular, then good for you. But the regular mind tends to slide towards what's in it for me? My interest in this, how do I protect my interests? How do I look after the people I care about? Because the world is divided into two parts, them and us, looking after us. And this is very much habit, instinct. If you don't believe me, you ask yourself. Someone comes in, you already arrange the chair nicely, all your favourite people must sit here, the rest of the world can sit wherever they want, but my favourite people must sit here. And then some stranger, random stranger, whose face I also don't like, sit and wear best spot. You see, you all start giggling, right? You can understand how that is so annoying, right? Yeah? But these are the kind of little things that happen to us, ma. This is where you will see yourself. Not the big thing, oh, someone wants to jump, then you must put that and save. How often someone wants to jump, you go and save? How often the big heroic things happen, seriously? It's a small minor irritant that happens, ma. You want to drive straight, someone wants to cut in, then they honk at you as they go past you. Oh, may you be well and happy. 
Like that is good lah. Instead, uh, you know, honk, then you honk, then they honk, then you honk some more, then everybody race all the way to Changi Airport. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's the little things, not the big things. The big things, of course, I will do what is right. You want my life, I can, I give you my life. That's a big thing, the heroic one. They make a little thing, but it's the small one. It's the small little one. You go up the bus, then some auntie, the old lady, go up, then this one go and cut in, go and sit on the chair. Ah, these are the type. <laughs> huh? These are the type. Or, or people quite quite all stand queue in line, everybody queue, sweet, sweet. Then the fellow come, then he went up the bus, number one. Then <laughs> right? Or you buy food, then you dare first, then he come, then uh, 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 uh. Ah, these are the little ones, oh. Your practice, kila or not, comes here, oh. This is the part. And then, imagine how your mind will talk, right? Oh, this man is so selfish, I never see, is it? Yeah, deliberately, is it? Uh, your mind will talk, oh. These are the little ones, oh. This is where your practice must kick in. Because it's the little thing. Little thing that makes a difference in your mind, you see. So when I say virya is king, it is actually just to make the point. Effort. When you want to zi zi, you must put a full stop to the zi. It's the effort required not to zi. And not only not to zi, the effort, uh, effort not to zi, and then must say nice thing in your mind. You must say, may you be well and happy. <laughs> In your mind, he already got his chair very happy. Never mind, may you be well and happy. These are the little things. So when we say, you know, it's very cute. Buddha says, under Virya, this is not Sila. Under Virya, the Buddha said, Akusala present, abandon, get rid of it, purge, right? Why he start with like that, right? Why did he start with Akusala present must purge? No, sorry. Akusala not Sorry, sorry. Akusala not present, do not let it come up. Akusala present must purge. He starts with the Akusala, then he went to the Kusala. Actually, what it means is, if you are a good practitioner, there should not even be Akusala. If you are practicing and you say, I'm walking the Buddha's path and I'm trying very hard, right? Akusala cannot be an illegal squatter in your house. The fact that it's there means, uh oh, virya not strong. That is why he said, not present, don't let it come up. It shouldn't even be there. Ah, jala came out already. Okay, okay. Watch. The moment you become aware, get rid of it. This part is actually not easy. If it is not present, don't let it come up. You need mindfulness to be able to catch that. And for most of us, living mindfully is just not a way of life. Our, our, the way of life is usually living driftlessly. We're drifting all over the place or mindlessly. So the practice requires some degree of training of the mind to be relatively quiet. And then you can see, then you can see when something unpleasant is in place. Very fast. 
In fact, you can see when nothing is unpleasant in place. <clears throat> and it should be like that. So effort is critical. Putting the effort to keep the mental space as clean as possible is critical. On the small thing, not the big one. As I said, heroic stuff, everybody can do. It's the minor one. When you want to go and listen to Dhamma talk, somebody wants to take the car out, something like that. You want to go and practice your meditation, they tell you to walk the dog, something like that. This is the little thing that annoys. Okay? And these are the little things that happen in life. <clears throat> okay. All these that I'm introducing, I know it's very highbrow. I honestly know it's very highbrow. These are all part of his teaching and part of training. Craving, driving, sankara. In other words, very often, your mind talks a lot. The driving force for your mind thinking is craving. Came from here. You think to yourself. You ask yourself. This one, this one you must look in and be honest to yourself. When you have thought arising, when thought comes up, when thought comes up, that thought, is it about something you want to do? For instance, uh, you look at your watch now, if you were to do that, it's because, what? You want to go back, you want to catch the bus, you want to, uh, I don't know, eat chakwityao, whatever. There is something you one, or you are either because you want something or because you don't want something. It's always to do with that. There is no random thought, typically. Even a random thought is driven by some degree of craving. One thing. Very subtle. Very subtle. Okay, for no reason you sit down there and you go, Ayah, you close my window. What's that about? Say for instance, uh, you sit there quietly and then suddenly you say, I didn't close my window. Or you sit there quietly and you say, who's looking after the kid? Something like that, right? What's going on there? There is a one thing, there is a concern, there is a fear that comes up. And it has to do with attachment. I am concerned about my how tita or titui. So I'm worrying. You see what I'm saying? Every little random, next time, next time when you start thinking, right? When your mind starts thinking, next time you take a look at it. Every time the mind talks and it thinks, you go look at it. What is the craving or what is the wanting or what is the preferencing or what is the interest there in that thought? That is why the better practice you are, the better realize you are, the less thoughts there are. Because what is good practice in our world? Lesser craving. So lesser craving means what? Lesser craving will lead to less thoughts. Many years ago, I remember hearing this expression. And I, I remember at that time, I thought to myself, how is that even possible? I was told, I, I, I learned, huh? I learned that, um, an Arya, an Arahat in particular, will be fully mindful at all time. 
full mindfulness, uninterrupted mindfulness at all times. Learning, uh, learning. Uh. So I hear that and I wondered, how is that possible? Full mindfulness, no drifting, no stray thoughts, no nothing, just pure awareness. Today I'm telling you, yes, it is possible. It is possible because when you go on retreat, when you go on meditation, you do a, a really good sitting, you go on meditation, you come out of your meditation, good sitting, huh? not one of those good sleeping, huh? good sitting. You come out of meditation and there is no thought in your mind. And for a while after that, there is no thought arising. Thought doesn't arise. What's happening? You switch off all the craving. When craving is off, the meditation, the mind goes still, and it lasts. And when thought arises again, life has caught up with you. Craving has caught up with you. And then the mind starts talking again. That's how it works. So, one who is very well practiced, the craving is minimal, right? Thinking is minimal. When your mind talks a lot, try and introduce into its repertoire of words, mortality. The more the mind is aware of impermanence of life, the more the mind is able to let go and forgive. You tell me. This one you tell me. If you have a quarrel with someone for a long, long time, and then you know time is running out, either for you or him, or her, or whatever, time is running out, you're going to carry it all the way to the end. Why not just bring it over to the next life? <laughs> Take it back with interest. <laughs> you know, right? At some point, you will say, Swala, swala, ya swala. Right? Yes or no? Yeah. It's normal, ma. You want to chase all the way. You want to chase that chase all the way to the next life. No point. And that's the way our mind works. When the mind is blinded, blinded from mortality, you can't see mortality, then it lives like it will live forever. And every cent I come with you, with interest and all. Because I might need the interest, ma. A long life, you know. But when you know that it's running out, even to, say for instance, right, let's say you, you hoard money all your life. So rich. A lot of money. And then you know time's running out. What are you going to do? Carry it with you? Oh, oh there, actually, there's a little cute little joke. I'll tell you after the class. Later, later. Okay. Nobody, at, sorry, if you are a naturally charger person, at the end you know time is up. You don't have a lot of time. What do you do? Give. You give. Give lah, you keep lah. You start to give, you start to reconcile, you start to resolve problems, you start to make peace and so on and so forth lah. Mortality is a very 
instrument for practice. And that is why in the Buddha's teaching, constant emphasis on reflection on death, death reflection, big way, reflection on decaying body, all those things. Then you say, so morbid, yes, it is reality as is. When we use this word reality as is, one of the things we always forget is reality as is means I will die, you will die, all of us will die. That's the reality as is. And this is the part that we often forget. We say, yeah, 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 I know what you mean. I, I, I agree with you, yeah, yeah, we all die. But you don't know, you don't get it. We do not walk around thinking we'll die tonight. Buddha teaches his monk to think about dying in the next breath. Who was the one who taught me? Remember? Yeah. Yeah, man. Buddha's training is don't think of dying next year, don't think of dying tonight, think of dying in the next breath. That's the kind of training they talk about. Now, if you are able, uh, experiment, okay? Tonight on your way back, right? Seriously, I'm giving you a homework. So tonight when you go back, right? You just have to spend 10-15 minutes, just 10 minutes, convincing, convincing yourself that tonight may be your last night alive in this life. Okay, now maybe push it to half an hour. <laughs> half an hour, okay? 15 minutes maybe not enough because sometimes there are people convincing not very good. Lah. Half an hour. You just spend half an hour only tonight. You want to do it every night, also can. But you do tonight, half an hour, telling yourself and believing. If you don't believe, it doesn't work. You tell yourself, tonight is your last night. Half an hour, you don't break it, okay? Uninterrupted. At the end of half an hour, you look at your own mind. Then you tell me, what has changed? It's all about wiring. Huh? It's all about wiring. Now, I teach you an even more interesting little trick. If you can, if you can bring yourself to be mindful of breathing. Mindful, huh? so you're sitting there and you're aware of breathing, right? In you're aware of it in out. Don't let your mind drip, huh? You're aware of this breathing in and out. Okay? And then you just reflect in breath and out breath. Again and again and again and again. And at some point, this in and out will end. Don't think. You just do it like that. Thinking, you break the, you break, you break the momentum. You can believe if you just watch it in and out without thinking, in and out, and you know at some point the in and out will end, and suddenly it becomes believable. If you can do it without thinking and just allowing your mind to know this is breathing in and breathing out and you know don't think you know at some point 
breathing in and out will end. And then you look at your own mind and you become aware that mortality is real. You do this every day, it will change the way you see things, it will change the way you react to the world, it will give you more incentive to be a nicer, more giving person. Just like this. It's when you have the arrogance of youth, the arrogance of health, the arrogance of life, and you cannot imagine how all these can change. That is when you are deluded. See what I'm saying? Okay, this is the final one. Not yet, right? It is the final slide. Okay, this is the entire path. This is the map of a practitioner. This is the map of practice. Understanding the nature of the mind in the different component parts. Learning to tackle each part with understanding each part. You take it, go on and reflect on it. Learn to tackle each part with understanding. If you do it successfully, if you understand this properly, you understand what I was talked about today, you do what is necessary, it will transform your life. And this is how your mind is changed by the command in baby steps. Not the massive thing, you know, like one moment of my Chinese back, okay. Train a train. Not the sudden, do you know we talk about sudden awakening and uh, wow, then suddenly you start floating on the water, you know, that kind. <laughs> Baby steps. It's really when the Buddha said his training is a gradual, it's gradual like the shore of the seabed. This is what it means. Step by step, understanding, rewiring changing the way the mind works, step by step, you change the mind. And you do it with confidence and conviction. What will happen to you is that you will become a far more peaceful and a far happier person. And we say, do this for ourselves and for others because when you are a nicer person, the people around you also feel better. Especially if you start from a very low point. If you start from a high point, you go higher, everybody's very inspired. But if you start from a very low point and you come up, everybody's very happy. When they say gratitude to the Dhamma, they mean every word. Okay? The picture? Uh, a bit small at the back, huh? I know. I, my, 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 my PowerPoint team has been telling me it is too small. And I kept telling them it's okay, I can see. 
You see, all roads lead back to me, I'm very, yeah, yeah, I can see that they say, but the others can't see. Oh, yeah, well, you know, it's okay. When we upload, you just take from the internet, huh? Free questions. Oh, okay. Any question? This is when you can have your, ask your question. This is Pante Yanarama, our late teacher, principal of this Pali College. He passed away last Tuesday. Passed away last Tuesday. Uh, I would like to invite all of you to join me in showing our thanks to our teacher. Take a bow. Wish him well on his next journey. This is one, this is one thing. I actually have another person who passed away just last night. Um, he's a friend, sorry, he's the father of a very good friend. He passed away last night. And I would also like to take this opportunity, ask you to join me in wishing him well on his journey. I'm going to chant a little bit. May I invite you? Can you all see from the back? Can I invite you all to recite this? Oh, 
Thank you.